Welcome to another episode of the Ladies That UX podcast. I'm Julia Pnina, Senior UX Consultant and a volunteer at the Ladies That UX community in the UK. Hi, and I'm Vanessa Canosa, Senior Product Designer and Chapter Leader at Ladies That UX Barcelona. In today's episode, we are going to talk not with one, but two lovely ladies, Mariana and Lana. Mariana has five years of experience in UX. With her background in fine arts, she started working in a startup as a junior designer, then moved on work at NOSE as a UX UI designer, and then moved back to the startup world by joining Ambabel almost two years ago as a product designer. And Lana is a product designer working in Lisbon, Portugal. She has six and over years of experience in the field, having worked in B2B and B2B2C SaaS industries like translation tech, ed tech and fintech, currently building the world's translation layer at Unbabble. Very interesting, aren't they? Shall we meet them? This episode was sponsored by Deploy.me, specialists in recruiting UI UX designers. Welcome to the Ladies That UX in English podcast, a friendly, welcoming and collaborative organization of intelligent and curious women who push UX boundaries, develop skills and promote talent by supporting each other. So, welcome Lana and Mariana. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Hi, thank you. Um, can you each of you share a little bit about yourselves and how you got into the field of UX UI design? Yeah, sure, Julia. So I'm an architect by profession and I got into UI UX uh, quite quickly. It was called web design back then when I started and I slowly progressed into the role. So now I'm working as a senior product design manager at Unbubble. And for me, I started out in fine arts. I had a minor in interactive environments, so I had a little bit of technology in my bachelor's I went out to study digital design for my postgraduate and yeah, I thought that I wanted to be an artist. I didn't think there was really a market for that. So I really liked aesthetically pleasing, solving problems, UX, UI fitted perfectly. That's great. Yeah, super interesting. I want to hear a little bit more about you, Lana, from your experience in many industry. How have you seen the value of design impacting like the success of a company? Yeah, it's a great question. I'd say that design is definitely a differentiator and it's our job as designers to really help the business and leaders understand this if it isn't a given. I'd say in some environments, it's been more difficult advocating for and you know convincing, but then that's part of our jobs as well to sort of be the bastion of design. Depending on what industry you're in, design can be more visible or not, but definitely the value is always there. And I'd say it's always been a differentiator. In B2C, it's, it's more obvious just because the money comes from direct customer. And then in B2B, it's a bit more difficult, but definitely if you have a good design and you know usable product, it's much easier to sell. And that's interesting points about B2B and B2C, that they're a little bit different. And you, Mariana, how do you think the value of design has evolved over the years and how has this affected your work? So I think with COVID, it forced a lot of products and services to become digital quite fast. And when you have similar products, what really differentiates is how easy it is to use and how not frustrating it is. And this is where design comes in and makes things easier and happier for the user. So I think design has carved out a bigger place in the market because of that. And also the craft itself has evolved a lot. So you can see much more products and digital products coming out and the market is growing and you can see that our 
ourselves as designers, we have a lot more mobility between jobs and we don't have to keep in one place for the rest of our careers. We can work in a lot of products that maybe 10 years ago wouldn't be possible. I think this is a quite interesting time for us. Yeah, so it's interesting how you talked about involvement and changes. So have you encountered any new technologies in your work at Unbabel and how have you navigated incorporating them into your design process? Well, ChatGPT is the main one, I think. Not as an aid for design, but an aid for copy. I ask ChatGPT to rewrite stuff a lot and to provide definitions. Yes, yeah, so that's the main new technology that has been helping me. I think a lot of new prototyping tools have been coming out. Protopy is one of them. Although I haven't used it a lot, I think it's quite powerful and it's a great pair to Figma. And Figma as well, you can think of it as a new technology because it's quite recent. But yeah, I think Figma definitely revolutionized design. Yes, indeed. And sped up the work as well. I think Figma has done that for us. <laughs> and what about you, Lana? As a product designer, how do you stay up to date with new technologies and like incorporate them into your design work? Yeah, so I'd say that as a product designer, you know, one of the key things that should be part of your personality is to be curious. That, you know, helps you with your job quite a lot. So following technologies, just like what's going on in the market, what are new tools, what are new exciting startups, like companies and just tech in general really helps you. That said, we have talked about the design process as well. And I think that all of these new changes in the speed of the web and how we're able to utilize tools today really helps us work faster. Sometimes product designers can be a bit scared of like their skill sets aging quite quickly. But I think it's the other way around, actually. Like the core product design skills and skill set is always something that will be on the market. It's just a question of where you apply them. So keeping up to speed with the market does help you be more marketable. But then the stuff that you learn over the years and your years of experience with people and managing like timelines and work, that's something that will always stay there and breaking down complex solutions. So it's a double-edged sword in that sense. That's interesting indeed. And Lana, what have you learned from working in both B2B and B2B2C SaaS companies? And how have you adapted your design approach to each? I think, uh, as I mentioned a bit earlier, unfortunately, the, the quality of design expectations in the two and like B2C and B2B are different just because of where the money comes from and who makes the decisions about whether the product is good enough or not. But that said, as designers, I think we're in the key position to really make sure that even B2B is doing quite well and is a differentiator on the market and making sure that your company is able to be on the forefront of whatever you're building. We're currently undergoing a redesign at Unbabel and Mariana is really spearheading this whole like uplifting of the quality of our platform. So I definitely think that will help us future-proof our products that we're building right now. And you, Mariana, you have worked at both like startups and larger companies. And how do you navigate the different challenges and design processes between the two? So I think the main difference between a startup and larger companies is the pace at which decisions are made. I think when in a larger company a decision is made, it is set and we're not going to move from that, we're just going to move forward. Whereas in a startup, well, one decision can be made one day and then we can track back a few weeks later, so on and so forth. So that's the main difference and it becomes quite challenging as a designer and particularly for me because I really like to get involved and deep in the problems to keep shifting. So one day I'm really 
really focusing on a problem, but a few years later, I need to focus on something else. And that's the main challenge. But I think with time, you really get used to it and find ways to cope. And I also think it's important to keep in mind that we work on a digital world that is much easier to delete and remake than the physical world. So our work will always be evolving. Even if we stay at the company for 10 years, we're probably going to redo something that we did five years ago. Mm, that's interesting indeed. Like about the pace you were saying. So the smaller companies, the pace is different to larger companies. Uh, is it something to do with how many people are involved in decision making? I think yes as well. But with a larger company, when decisions are made, there is a higher level of uh, certainty that we don't have in a smaller company. With a larger company, you probably have more clients, more history, and you also can have the luxury of making mistakes because you probably have a patient to soften the blow. With the smaller company, no. And we also, in a smaller company, we have to adapt to the market much faster than in a larger company. It's all because of the cushion that the larger company has and the smaller company doesn't. And uh, Mariana, having an experience in fine arts, what kind of impact do you think it has had on your design approach? So with fine arts, everything is subjective, starting from the artist to the observer, and there are multiple ways of interpreting something. And although design isn't subjective, we're trying to solve problems to real people. I think fine arts and having a background in it has helped me to look for different solutions for the same problem and to look into different directions, look at the problem from different points of view and really try to be more flexible with my approach to the problem. Because I know nothing is black and white and no problem is black and white. There's a lot of shades of braid in between and we need to look for them. Yeah, in you, Lana, have you found any particular design methodologies or frameworks to be especially effective in your work? Yeah, I think as a senior designer, you start really to detach your work from methodologies or frameworks. You really view all of them as like a toolkit. You just pick and choose from depending on the project that you're working on. Most recently, maybe we worked, we tried to work at least with continuous discovery as a methodology to build insights and feed into like a product roadmap. I'd say within the team, we were more or less effective because it ended up being a bit harder than we thought it would be. And then on top of that, because the team that I was in, the, the insights that we would find, we sometimes couldn't, we didn't have budget to fix them. So I'd say that it definitely depends on what you're building. I would really like to try to do continuous discovery again as something that would help you continuously make every single decision that you make in the process of designing. Because we all know that design is just a bunch of decisions and then the more informed you are from a user's perspective all the time, I think the closer you are to where you need to be, then you don't need to do as much usability testing or questions afterwards if you're close to the user. And Lana, I wanted to ask you what you just talked about being closer to users. Do you have any preferred way of doing user research or is it the mixture of them is the best way? I'd say it depends on what we're trying to find out. We use Maze quite a lot and we do a lot of moderated usability testing and interviews. I think it's a combination of all of this, whether we need like more answers or less answers or depending on how much time we have. I, I like doing interviews more because you can see the person, you can see where they're working. In the team that I was uh, working in currently at Dumbabble, we had a really diverse set of users. So it was really nice being to these people and just seeing them working from different times zones and seeing their setup, like what kind of computer are they using, all of these things that we wouldn't usually see if we were doing unmoderated tests or surveys, so answers, interviews. 
and uh, well today we discussed quite a lot of, about design value and um, new technologies and being curious uh, as a UXer. So based on our conversation today, what do each of you think is the most important thing for a designer to keep in mind in, in order to be successful? I mean, we're not the users, right? So uh, keeping that in mind and keeping in mind that people might not be as privileged as you are, they might be older, you know, we need to make the web more accessible, less biased. I think that's a very relevant topic right now in our community and really keeping that in mind by, as I said, talking to as many people as you can. And how about you, Mariana? Being curious, both about the user and the craft and trying to get the user as much as you can. And also keeping in mind that because a big tech company did it, doesn't mean that it's going to work in your product or your, your digital service. Just because someone else did it, doesn't mean it's correct and it's going to work for you. Um, I'm gonna ask a little bit a random question after this as well, because we just talked about what are the most important things to be successful, but what do you both think is success in your job? How do you see it? When somebody tells me that an interface did that they have used is so easy that they haven't thought about it, that's success for me. That's a great answer. I'd say the same. When your work is invisible, it means that you've done a good job. On the other hand, now because I'm in a more management role, I think also doing a good job uh, from a company perspective is also making sure that the company really understands what you've delivered, making sure that you are advocating for your role, explaining things and sort of spreading the word and knowledge. I think a lot of our colleagues actually love design when they understand what it is, but you know, we can fall into the traps of not explaining and assuming that everyone understands. So on that end, it's also uh, making sure that our work is visible and understandable and you know, that we're, we're able to coach and share things internally as well. Great. Thank you. Those were amazing answers. And well, we are nearing the end of our episode. What advice would you give to people who want to become a product designer. Uh, Lana, would you like to go first? I'd say it's a really nice field to get into. It's a really nice job. It's always changing. You can choose the subject that you want to work in. So I definitely recommend it. With the caveat, you really need to be a curious personality. You need to want to learn about technology. You need to have a basic understanding of these things and want to understand them. I think that product designers who like or have the affinity more towards not changing things very often so coming up with one solution and sort of like wanting to stick to it have most issues in the role so if you find yourself in that kind of description of like a storyteller that's not that's happy to change things happy to learn quite a lot I think you can be successful in the role so uh, definitely go for it there's a lot of great resources online I would recommend going from medium to YouTube there are a lot of influencers now in the role and can learn quite a lot from them and I think the main thing and I'm going to repeat what Lennon said is to be curious but curious about products try out different products spend an afternoon on Behance and on Dribbble although not all solutions are the best but you have to really bulk up your visual culture and not only digital but go out into the world watch a movie go to an exhibition it's, I think it's really important for us to see the world in all of its layers and try to transport it into our work as much as possible try out different solutions try out different experiences physical and digital 
digital and expand your horizons. Yeah, completely agree. And girls, if someone wants to get in touch with you, like after listening to this podcast, what is the best channel to reach you? Uh, LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. And for you, Lana? Yeah, for me too. I have been surprisingly active <laughs> on LinkedIn in the past year. That's cool, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a nice note to finish the podcast on. So thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, girls. Thank you. Thank you so much. We ended our chat today with Lana Loncar and Mariana Inacio, both amazing ladies, and we hope you enjoy it. If you have suggestions, questions, or contributions, please contact us on the website ladiesthatux.com. This episode was produced by Ladies That UX, edited by Luciana Borrasca, and sponsored by Deploy Me, recruiters specializing in UX designers.